0: This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 77. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. Hey, Kel. Hi, Brett. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. This is Brett Hurst. And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level.
1: We'll do the best we can.
0: We will do the best we can. Well, I want to recommend a tip of the day today. Sometimes we recommend a book or a resource or a website that we want to promote, and um, this is just like our last episode, um, Boundaries in Marriage, the book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend, is a book that we're... Highly recommend, but we're also going to be pulling some information from today. Today's episode is called Boundaries Within Marriage, Part Dos.
1: And the book's definitely a classic.
0: Yes, it is. In our last episode, we tackled the first five laws of boundary setting, and they're based on the book, Boundaries in Marriage. So if you're listening today and you missed episode number 76, you might want to pause now and go back and listen so you can kind of know where we are, right?
1: That'd be a good idea. That would
0: be a really good idea. But we're going to pick up where we left off um, in our last episode, and hopefully this information will be helpful and valuable to you. I know I've learned a a lot in just kind of researching this stuff. (laughs) Okay, so the first law that we're going to pick up today is law number six, which is called the law of evaluation.
1: Wait a minute. What? You don't like... Getting evaluated?
0: No, I don't. But that's not what we're talking about today. All right. Keep in mind, we're talking about setting healthy boundaries. So the law of evaluation goes something like this. We need to evaluate the effect our boundaries have on another person. Hmm. So for me, a helpful question to ask here is, does my boundary cause pain that may lead to growth for the other person? Uh Or does my boundary cause pain that will lead to injury to the other person?
1: saying here is that there are proper boundaries and improper boundaries to set.
0: There are. And so let me give you an example. So you have a couple where let's say one spouse likes to shop and spend money like crazy.
1: Now, who would that be?
0: Um, I'm not talking about us. I am talking about a hypothetical couple. All right. But so the person is that one spouse is spending like crazy to the point of becoming problematic.
1: Now, who would that be?
0: This spouse, hypothetical <laughs> spouse, is racking up credit card debt, which I do not do, by the I way. know you don't. I'm and just And doesn't seem to care that the family is in financial <laughs> jeopardy. And so the other spouse decides to set a boundary for the sake of the family's economic health, right? Well, <clears throat> he or she can either cancel the credit card, or they can set up separate credit card accounts or open separate bank accounts. Or, these are
1: all steps you could take to yeah, these set are boundaries. All, yeah,
0: to just set a boundary. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Here's here's where the law of evaluation comes in. This will certainly create some pain for the spending spouse, right? But would it cause harm to that person? No. No. So if you think about uh, the way to really illustrate this in a simple way is when we have to go to the dentist to treat a cavity. Hmm. You know, when the dentist drills into our tooth, it's going to hurt, but it won't harm us, right? It'll Mm -hmm. make us better. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the sugar that gave us the cavity in the first place maybe didn't hurt us, but over time caused harm to our teeth.
1: Very timely, since I had a few cavities filled this year.
0: <laughs> so here's the idea. Hurt and harm are not the same thing, although a lot of people confuse the two ideas. Just because we feel a temporary pain, it doesn't necessarily mean that something bad is happening. In fact, something very good could be happening, like a spouse learning how to grow up or get control of his or her spending. or So what
1: you're saying, Kel, is that... The very fact that we have pain and experience pain in the first place—that that's a grand design. Pain. I, I mean, think if we, so. If we don't experience pain, we can get into real trouble.
0: Well, and we don't really grow until we experience pain. I right. think. Yeah, is the idea here? here I, I thought this—the law of evaluation—I thought was really helpful because it, it's such an. In- an important factor to consider when you're setting a boundary because when we set a boundary that causes harm, that's just unloving. Mm-hmm. That, that's just not what we want to be about.
1: You're just being mean.
0: Right. The boundary or... has to be aimed at the person's growth, not at taking revenge. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So does that make sense? The law of evaluation? Absolutely. Okay, good. No, law number seven is the law of proactivity. And I think the best way to think of this one is to think of the difference between being proactive and reactive. So that's our dog chiming in. So when we set reactive boundaries, they tend to be negative in nature. So, for example, let's say we've been really patient and compliant with our spouse for a very long time about something that they do that that bothers us. And one day we wake up and we just simply cannot take it anymore. We blow up, we decide we've had enough, and we react to get ourselves out of a state of powerlessness, okay. right? So sometimes so that's after the fact, yeah, sometimes this is a necessary way to kind of get us going in setting boundaries, but a, it doesn't usually go off very smoothly because we're typically angry we're we're put out we're we're kind of done, mm-hmm. right um, the other reason it's not helpful is because it doesn't it's not really sufficient in establishing long-lasting boundaries that lead to growth. So that's a reactive boundary. Usually it's negative in nature. Usually Mm -hmm. it's when we've, you know, it's kind of like the last straw that broke the camel's back and we go, hey, I'm not taking this anymore, Uh," and we kind of lash out.
1: So I'm assuming that proactive boundary setting is more positive.
0: Yeah, because it helps us establish connections with others that clearly define who we are, what we stand for, what we love, what we want, and what we need. Proactive boundaries are different from reactive boundaries because reactive boundaries just tell people what we hate. Mm -hmm. They tell people what we don't like, what we'll we'll stand against, what we will not do, right? Right. So the law of proactivity solves problems based on your values.
1: So ahead of time, you're saying, this is what I stand for. This is what I will allow. This is what I will not allow.
0: Right. But you're not doing it out of reacting.
1: And so you're not, you're not. Uh, taking an emotional stand uh, as much as a values-based
0: stand. Right. Because if you think about proactive people, they don't typically walk around demanding their rights. Mm -hmm. You know, they... They're too busy
1: being proactive. Yeah,
0: they can solve their problems without having to blow up at people. Mm -hmm. They live their boundaries in an active way. They don't think about returning evil for evil. They just sort of live their values. They're chill, man. They're chill. So don't continue to define only what you hate. Find out what is truly important to you, what you love, what you value. And then you can start integrating those positive values into your protests when you do need to set a boundary. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, you know, a tit for tat kind of a thing. It's, it's, you're actually just being proactive with your life.
1: You're living according to your values.
0: Exactly. Right. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Law number eight is the law of envy. And I'm going to be really honest and say, I looked through this and it took me a while to sort of get the connection between, what the authors were saying about envy and how that connected to setting boundaries. Okay. I I just wasn't sure.
1: You weren't getting way.
0: it. I wasn't following what the connection was. But what I finally kind of landed on, what I think the authors might be trying to say is that because envy is a self-perpetuating cycle, when you think wait, wait, about... Wait,
1: wait, when you say that envy is a self-perpetuating cycle, it means there's no end to it.
0: Right. It kind of feeds itself... When we're envious of someone, we tend to stay envious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just kind of a self-perpetuating cycle.
1: Because it because the envy doesn't get satisfied.
0: Exactly. Right. So when you think of people who don't set healthy boundaries, or mm-hmm. you could call them boundaryless people if that's a word, mm-hmm. they tend to feel empty and unfulfilled.
1: Okay. Right? right. Okay. They kinda look like, at kind of like years of being a Houston Astros fan. Until now.
0: Until now.
1: Now there's no more Envy.
0: How long have you been waiting to say that on the podcast?
1: <laughs> well, <I've been laughs> waiting to say that just it, in it, my just life, in your life right? my entire life, <laughs> basically the uh, extent of the existence of that franchise. <laughs> Houston Astros world champions.
0: I know. Okay, so uh, boundaryless people they tend to feel empty and unfulfilled, and when they look at someone else who say has has fullness, they tend to feel empty. And sometimes that someone else can be their own spouse. So what I'm what I'm gleaning from this is that whenever we start from a place of envy or comparison, we're already starting at a deficit, whether we're talking about boundaries or just healthy relational experiences in general.
1: You're in the hole to begin
0: with. You're in the hole to begin with. I mean, when envy is our core feeling we're not going to be setting a healthy boundary
1: because envy is not a healthy state.
0: Exactly. It's just like when we're when fear is our core feeling, we don't typically make the healthiest decision out of fear. You know, we need to take that energy that we use in feeling envy and we need to take responsibility for our own life.
1: The dog is feeling envy, right? The now. dog
0: is feeling very he envious. Wishes he's,
1: he was up here with us. He's
0: being proactive in his law of envy.
1: Yeah, um, I'm about I'm about to get reactive with the dog. Yes. Yeah. So. so
0: does that make sense? The yes. law, That's kind of what I took. So if you're a listener and you've read Boundaries in Marriage and you feel like nope, there's more to expand on the law of envy, send me an email. So law number nine is the law of activity. And the law of activity says that we need to take the initiative to be active and engaged um, in our problem solving and not be passive. We know that passivity in marriage rarely has a good outcome. We've seen that play out again and again. So when people take initiative, they have a greater chance to learn from their mistakes. These people confront their problems, they try solutions, they might make mistakes, and that's fine because they're willing to grow and learn from their mistakes.
1: They have freedom to fail, basically. Is totally, what you're
0: which I love that idea. And mm-hmm. you and I, Brett, have talked about this a lot lately, mm-hmm. just in ministry and just other things. In our
1: personal life.
0: Yeah, that when we give ourselves freedom to fail, we just everything kind of opens up for us. And I think when we're afraid to tackle an issue because we fear that we're going to do it wrong or we fear that we're going to say the wrong thing, then we just remain stuck in the behavior that we claim we don't want, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: So it's not living a lifestyle of, of grace.
0: Yeah, exactly. And passive people are often just afraid of making mistakes and losing the love of other people. Um, But it's important to realize that their passivity will always have the same results. The problems will just get worse. Um, The problem doesn't go away by itself. We have to take action against it. So an alcoholic in denial will not stop drinking if the spouse does nothing about it.
1: Thereby enabling the behavior.
0: Exactly. Abuse will not stop by itself if a wife, say, tries to just endure it and do nothing.
1: Enabling the behavior. Yeah.
0: So when both partners are active, when they both speak the truth openly, when they set goals, when they take initiative to solve the problems, they both will grow. Mm -hmm. And if we always assume that the first move towards solving a problem is our own, and we don't wait for our spouse to do it, then the marriage really really will prosper and flourish, Mm -hmm. and both spouses will grow together.
1: That's really how marriage was designed to be, is a, a relationship of grace, a relationship of mutual mercy, selflessness, all that.
0: Yeah. And that takes action. So some people may ask, okay, so how how does the law of activity differ from the law of proactivity? Um, What I understand is that the law of activity says that we're to take action instead of remaining passive, while the law of proactivity tells us to base our actions on positive values and not just on the things that we hate. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a difference, but I think it's important to make the distinction.
1: Would be a great thing for that to spill. Into the rest of our lives, too, not just marriage. Definitely. And how we react socially and so
0: forth. Right. And now we've arrived at the final law, which is law number 10, the law of exposure.
1: Whoa, wait a minute. What? Exposure.
0: (laughs) The law of exposure says that our boundaries must be made visible to others. So we need to be truthful to our spouses and communicate clearly what we do or don't want what we think, and what we feel. Unless we expose our own boundaries, our souls cannot be connected in marriage, and the relationship will always struggle.
1: So as a spouse, if you haven't communicated those things to me, how... Will how I, are you gonna know yeah exactly I'll exactly just be guessing.
0: yeah so a lot of people and I, I've actually heard people say that uh, that the the idea of boundaries in marriage you know that boundaries don't belong in marriage because you know all kinds of reasons but I just don't think that's true because we're we're individual people with our own feelings opinions and views mm-hmm. and if I don't communicate my thoughts and my emotions then Brett you're not going to have any idea who I am, even if we're married 50 years. Right. You know, if I don't expose who I am to you, it doesn't give you the opportunity to know me right. and to be fully intimate with me.
1: Well, it's the two sides of the coin of growing closer in intimacy is we're moving closer to each other. We're, we're getting more vulnerable and transparent with each other. We're, we're one flesh, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking, which is an amazing otherworldly kind of concept, which is really incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yet we're still two different individuals, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's certain things I have in the refrigerator that you don't touch and Mm -hmm. vice versa, and uh, not because we're not willing to share, it's just... (laughs)
0: It's <laughs> how we're wired. We're different. Exactly. Our wants and desires are different. Yeah. So what I what I like, especially about the law of exposure, is that Scripture supports this concept. You mm-hmm. know that passage in the Bible that says, we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. Well, this doesn't just mean, you know, don't be angry by the time you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, Which that's are... kind of a simplistic way of looking at right. it. What it means is to take care of your anger. To get it resolved, right, and sometimes that means we have to discuss it with our partner. We we have to expose the problem in order to work the problem out. Mm-hmm. And if we hide all of this because we fear that speaking out will only make things worse, or you know, we're just afraid, I just feel like we give the devil an excellent foothold to wreak havoc in our relationship and even in our soul.
1: And you and I see this uh, working working with couples all the time. Is that because they have failed to Um, be consistently processing things that are going on in their life and their marriage and their emotions and so forth, stuffing it, not talking about it, uh, then things accumulate. And that's when the real problems start um, Mm -hmm. manifesting. It's it's not so much a big deal to put things out on the table, even if it's going to be a hard conversation, but do it and get it done, work Mm -hmm. through it, Mm -hmm. rather than to stuff this, then stuff that, then stuff that, and then... Mm -hmm months or even years later, all of a sudden, uh, the marriage is dying and nobody knows why.
0: Yeah, I just think the more we can bring things out into the light, A, you know, we we often assume that our partner is not going to show up for us if we bring something up, you know, a difficult conversation. But when we don't bring it up, we don't even give them the opportunity to show up well for us. Mm -hmm. You know, so we're really almost doing our partner a disservice By just not even having the opportunity for them to be there for us or to understand. So I think bringing things out into the light, you know, God has a way, I think, of helping us to solve our problems together when we're willing to look at them together and not just keep hiding from them. Yeah. And exposure is the only way that healing and growth can take place.
1: I totally concur.
0: So, what do you think about the 10 laws of healthy boundary setting?
1: All kidding aside, I think they're great tools. Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, you could really uh, take them one at a time and have real in-depth conversation about them. Might not be something you want to do on a date night, but... Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we often say, do not go at, on a date and, and try to solve your problems. That's not the time to typically do that.
1: But it might be something to do on a long drive. That's you know, true. You and I like to have uh, in-depth conversations about...
0: On our road trips,
1: meteor things, yeah, on yeah. road trips. Not all the time. We're yeah. jamming to the Doobie Brothers, <laughs> a good chunk of that time. But anyway,
0: well, I think these were these were two good episodes that go together. Um, I I didn't know there were that there was that much to setting healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. I you know just really really kind of dig into the hows and the how to do it healthy because. I think a lot of times people think about boundaries from that reactive mm-hmm. place of oh i'm like, I'm mad well, at something'm so I'm, exactly. I'm out. yeah, so exactly. I like the idea of getting in touch with what our values are mm-hmm. and living that out so that because I like the idea of thinking about people who are proactive, they don't walk around demanding their rights. Right. They just sort of live it. you so know,
1: my takeaway is there's a healthy even a godly way to set boundaries, and there's an unhealthy and an ungodly way to set boundaries. That is a
0: great way of saying it. Pray
1: through and discuss to figure out which one you're doing.
0: Right, exactly. Excellent. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. We also hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or question you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, please send us an email to thehursts, that's H-U-R-S-T-S, at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our best to get it on the air. And we hope you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes.
1: Share the love. This
0: helps us to have more visibility. Well, thanks so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.